Good morning. I'd like to share with you President Obama's inaugural poem written by Elizabeth Alexander. <clears throat> Praise song for the day. Each day we go about our business, walking past each other, catching each other's eyes or not, about to speak or speaking. All about us is noise. All about us is noise and bramble, thorn and din, each one of our ancestors on our tongues. Someone is stitching up a hem, darning a hole in a uniform, patching a tire, repairing the things in need of repair. Someone is trying to make music somewhere with a pair of wooden spoons on an old oil drum with cello, boombox, harmonica, voice. A woman and her son wait for the bus. A farmer considers changing the sky. A teacher says, take out your pencils, begin. We encounter each other in words, words spiny or smooth, whispered or declaimed, words to consider, reconsider. We cross dirt roads and highways that mark the will of someone and then others who said, I need to see what's on the other side. I know there's something better down the road. We need a place where we are safe. We walk into that which we cannot yet see. Say it plain that many have died for this day. Sing the names of the dead who brought us here, who lain the train tracks, raised the bridges, picked the cotton and the lettuce, built brick by brick the glittering edifices that they would keep clean and work inside of. Praise song for struggle, praise song for the day, praise song for every hand-lettered sign, the figuring it out at the kitchen tables. Some live by love thy neighbor as thyself, others by first do no harm, or take no more than you need. What if the mightiest word is love, love beyond marital, filial, national? Love that casts a widening pool of light. Love with no need to preempt grievance. In today's sharp sparkle, this winter air, anything can be made, any sentence begun. On the brink, on the brim, on the cusp, praise song for the walking forward in that light. And I'd like to welcome up our uh, spiritual leader and senior pastor, Reverend Patrick Kamen. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. Blessings. So I'm going to invite you, if you'd like, to stand up with me and sing a song, and we'll, we'll come together in prayer. Not that we haven't been coming together already, but let's just continue that. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear 
spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So let us come together in that recognition of oneness. Let us know that we are in and it is in us. In and through and as each and every one of us. We stand in that oneness, a recognition of that divine spark of life that lives within every, everyone, everywhere. And so in that recognition, I know we are shifted and changed. Let us know that our word has power and as we speak our word. In that recognition and in that articulation of that recognition and in that embodiment of that knowing and being our word is so powerful so may we speak the words this day the unspoken words that we think and the words we share propelled and infused and supported and inspired by the love the love of life the love of spirit the love of the opportunity of what the next moment brings the next thought brings the next song whatever it may be let us know that we are free to choose our legacy is one of freedom. We are here to break the shackles that bind us in any way, shape, or form, to move into the new relationship, to move into the existing relationship in a new way, whether it be with loved ones or family or friends or co-workers, wherever it may be. Let us know that we are being transformed in this moment as we stand together in the consciousness of oneness, in the recognition and the application of this beautiful teaching, and to know that we are the thing itself, that our lives will be wasted if we do not identify and share and amplify and give our gifts fully and completely. Because there is more than enough for everyone. Everyone's success is our success. I celebrate your success. I celebrate your life and all the events that brought you here to this moment. Your learning, your path that could have come no other way. I give thanks. I give thanks for this beautiful day, for this beautiful teaching. To stand freely and speak freely to love freely, to give thanks with such great gratitude that my heart is bursting with joy and appreciation. Let us know that every good thing necessary for each one here this day and anyone that comes to mind, we all have everything we need in this moment and each moment hereafter. And with that said, I know it is complete that the infinite mind of the one knows far well, better than any of us, what is the highest and best. So let us open to that idea. I give thanks. I release these words in gratitude, knowing full well my word has power. I've impressed upon this infinite idea into that infinite law that says, yes, I know it is done. And for this, I give thanks. And together we say, and so it is. Please be seated. Thank you. So an exciting, it was an exciting week for the world, I think. Watching, uh, I know we're in Canada, and I'm an American that uh, enjoys living here, and this is our home now but watching Obama be uh, inaugurated. And there were some things he said in his speech, and I selected his poem this morning, actually from Robin's recommendation. She said, tell pa Reverend Patrick to read that poem on Sunday. And I looked at it, and I said, perfect, so thank you. <clears throat> One of the things Obama said in his speech that I thought was great is it's time to put away childish needs. Time to put away childish needs, which I think we come together every Sunday, and we look at how we're living our lives, how we're progressing, how we're regressing, whatever we may be doing. But it's time to put away childish needs. It is time to reaffirm our enduring spirit. It is time to reaffirm our enduring spirit. Is this not what we teach every week? Put away your childish thoughts. Yeah, that, that was an idea that worked for you. That was an idea that, that brought you here. It may not have worked for you, but it brought you to this moment. It's time to put away those childish needs. It is time to reaffirm our enduring spirit. To choose our better history. 
to look back and at, the, at our life and understand that it was all successful, to choose our better history, to carry forward this precious gift, this noble idea that has been passed on from generation to generation, that is the God's promise that all of us are free, that all of us are equal, and to know that it is everyone's, it is the right of all to pursue their measure of happiness. It's the right of all to pursue their measure of happiness. Our teaching is one of freedom. Dr. Holmes talked about it consistently. And what's the freedom about it? It is the freedom for us to look at our lives and understand that as we choose each thought, each thought plants a seed of possibility or it plants the same seed we've been planting over and over and over again. I grew up in a farming, uh, a farming community and the, the farmers would rotate their stock, their, their crops, because they knew that without rotating, the, the, the soil would no longer reproduce. I mean, that's a common, well-known idea. But how many of us have been planting the same crop over and over and over again? And getting the same crop over and over and over again? And complaining because we're tired of eating corn morning, noon, and night. There were two Buddhist students, Zen students, and they were watching a flag one day. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were watching a flag in the, in the wind, and it was blowing. And so they got into a discussion. One student said, that flag, the flag is what's moving. And the other student said, no, the flag is not moving. What is moving is the wind. And their teacher overheard this discussion because it went on for several minutes and finally said, you're both wrong. Flag's not moving, the wind's not moving. What's moving is your mind. So I think it's important for us because we are in our tradition, in our teaching, to be cultural creatives on this planet right now. What's important to note for us is our mind is the thing that moves. It's the only thing that moves. It's the only thing that makes a difference. <clears throat> We've gone over the last... I'm, I've been in the Science of Mind textbook. Uh, and if you, you're new to our center, we have, t we have a... a, a uh, a group of, of classes we teach. And as Linda uh, Watson said last week when she was here with us, that Dr. Michael Beckwith always says at Agape, get into classes. When you get here, get into classes. Get into classes. The other thing he says is work with a practitioner. You have to get into classes because we are not trained to think the way we invite people to think. We will not tell you what you're supposed to think. That's not our, our, uh, our task here. It is to realize that the quality of your thinking refl is reflected in your life. And so how this works is the first week, I went over the first chapter, the first week I talked about that it is everywhere present, this, this presence of the infinite. It is not an anthropomorphic God. It is everywhere present. There's not a place where this infinite energy is not. It's just simply that within the human being, it is more sophisticated. There's choice. We are created in the image and likeness. The second, the second week we talked about it can only do for us what can it can do through us. So it has to move through us in some fa fashion. And this week is how to use it. So this is important because how do we use this? Because there are many, Sue's lovely song, love that song that we, we sang to, to this morning, that God is always in me. But the God in me is, is, is prevalent in many, many traditions. The God in me is an important idea, but that is the beginning. That is only the start. Because what that, that God presence is seeking, it's seeking an avenue for expression. It is seeking a place where it can pour itself forth. And so when we understand that, that's why visioning is so important. We had uh, Linda Watson come to our board meeting this week and she sat down with the board and reminded us of how important visioning is. 
And I had forgotten, I'd gotten off track a little bit around vision. We are a vision-driven community. But vision, she said, we do it every time. And I said, well, Linda, I didn't want to do a visioning this time because last time we did it, we had this long list of things to do and we, have, we haven't even scratched the surface. She said, no, 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 you vision every time because it shifts and changes and every time you get together, you vision. All of a sudden, you take the visioning and you make it task-oriented and that's a wonderful thing. You need to record the information, but you vision it because it's alive. And the, and the vision that may emerge this week was not the vision you had this month or last year. And I thought, oh my gosh, what a great reminder. And, and so one of the great opportunities for us as a board is to realize that the, as collectively, where two or more in agreement it is done, as a board and as being fiduciarily responsible, financially responsible to this center as well as so many other ways, that without holding that vision and nurturing the idea so it has a place to incubate, it's really a wonderful reminder. But spirit is looking for a place to express. It's looking for an avenue. And that's you and me. See, well, we get, we get trapped in this idea of analysis, the paralysis of analysis. We get trapped in this idea that, well, now I've I have identified my, my challenge. I am the, the adult child of a whatever. You know, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. I'm an adult child of a drug addict. I'm an adult child of a, a compulsive gambler. I'm an adult child of... I, I had wonderful, incredible parents, whatever you're the adult child of. It's good to have the information. But see, you don't have to do spiritual practice. You don't have to do this spiritual practice. You don't need that information. You don't need that information at all to do spiritual practice. It's good to know, but that's just part of your journey. That was part of your gift. Well, we look at it, and all of a sudden we realize our, what our malady is, what our, what our affliction is. <clears throat> and then we pour our energy into that. See, what you give your attention to determines what you don't notice. What you give your attention to determines what you don't notice. Arlene Bump, who is one of our wonderful ministers, I know that John and Jody were just down in Fort Lauderdale, and she's a dear friend. And I think Arlene's been in ministry for over 50 years now. <clears throat> and she's, a, she's one of our, our elder statesmen and a wonderful teacher. She's been on, on our board of education for years and years and years. And I don't know if you know her story at all, but she's got an amazing story about healing. She was given a death sentence. She was told, you're going to be dead within two years. She had terrible arthritis. They took, they took x-rays of this woman's body, and they said, and they, she couldn't see her hands. They didn't show her an x-ray of her hands. And she asked, she said, where are my hands? And they said, we were, we were scared to show you your hands because you have the hands, you have the bone structure of a 96-year-old woman right now. Now, this was when she was in her, in her late 20s. She didn't know what to do. She was on medication. She was in so much pain. She had a daughter that she couldn't carry, a baby daughter that had a, was in a cast for months and months when she was born, problems with her legs. She had to carry this daughter. The cast weighed 80 pounds, and she said there'd be times she'd just end up dropping the child. And she, she just had no feeling anywhere, and, and her body was deteriorating. And her husband, at the same time, had lost his job. But he didn't say anything because he was embarrassed. So he'd leave for work. He'd dress up and leave for work, and he'd come home when work should have been over. Too embarrassed to say he'd lost his job. But they had stumbled upon an, a center. They stumbled, stumbled upon a New Thought community, a religious science community, which we were called at the time. We teach the science of mind. We used to be called Church of Religious Science. And he came upon it and he met a practitioner. And he found a book in the bookstore by Dr. Ernest Holmes called Living Without Fear. He thought, wow, what a great idea. Arlene looked at him and said, we both have lived with so much fear. This is all we know is fear. All, how many people on the planet, all they know is fear? I was raised in a culture like that. I was raised in a family like that. We've got to survive. We've got to be tough. Watch out. Be careful out there. There's a lot of people that will take advantage of you. Don't make mistakes. Don't be stupid. Play it smart. All those things. 
You know, and those are, those are valid ideas. Those are, that's fear speaking. And so anyway, he's in the bookstore and he sees this book, Living Without Fear. <clears throat> so he stole the book because he couldn't afford it. Now, I'm not suggesting you go back to our bookstore and start stealing books, okay? Because that's not good. Because we do have people that do that. And we bless them and we release them because we know that those books will help transform a life. In fact, if you're here next week, we're giving everybody a book. We're giving away the dynamic law of prayer by uh, Dr. Catherine Ponder. So I want to let you know that. So if you're not here, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not here and we're out of books, because we've got 450 to give away. When those 450 are gone, you're not getting a book, okay? Don't come to me in a month and say, I wasn't here for the book giveaway. I'm going to say, consciousness always plays itself out. And if you needed that book, you would have been here. And if you don't need the book, you probably don't need the book. Don't worry about it. It's not about possessing the book. It's consciousness. It's the, it's the, the consciousness upon the book. So anyway, <clears throat> Arlene Bump's husband got a hold of this book, started reading it. And he's struggling. And finally, you know, the, the, the truth be told, and they know he's out of work, and he, he, he's, what's going on, and they're spiraling, and they, the heat's turned off, the electricity's turned off, and they are struggling, struggling, struggling. And finally, she went to the doctor, and he started applying the principles. He finally got a hold of a practitioner again. I said, I need help. I can't do this on my own. And I don't know too many people that can do this on their own. I mean, my journey has been full of prayers from others and support, and it continues to be because I, I get caught in I forget. There are things that go on around here that I, I forget, and I forget to go to spiritual mind treatment because what treatment does, what affirmative prayer does, it lifts us out of the effect. You see, we get so busy dealing with the stuff. See, our job here is not to deal with the stuff. Our, st- our job as metaphysicians is to look at the stuff and see the gift in it. See, it's to welcome it and to say, you know what, something's going on here. What, is, what keeps this pattern alive for me? Because you may lose the job, you may lose the relationship, you may lose whatever it is, or you may get the job. <laughs> could be worse. You could get the relationship. <laughs> you know, whatever it may be, it doesn't, it's not always about loss. It's, it's about welcome as well. But if it's the same thing over and over again and you're tired of it, it's, it's, yeah, you need to look at those things and you need to make intelligent decisions. But the gift in all of it, the gift in all of it is to be able to look at it and simply say, there's something here, there's a theme here. What's the theme in my life? To step back and accept it and pull it close and look at it. That's a gift. That's a gift. So Arlene is there, her husband's working, the, and his life starts to turn around. Things are getting better. And she goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, you'll be dead within two years. And she said when she was leaving the office, she was so mad that the doctor told her this. She took the door of the doctor's office, and she slammed it as hard as she could. And she broke, she slammed it so hard, she broke the glass. And she screamed, no, as she walked out, the, out that door. And her teacher told her years later, he said, that is when the shift started happening for you. See, this is not a teaching for wimps. It keeps showing up in our lives, showing up in our lives. When when do we say no? When we say no, the universe gets it. We have to be shifted and changed because the universe can only know us as we are today. The universe can only know you and I as we are today. That's just the way it works. You can't lie to that infinite intelligence and presence. It it is so much a part of you, it is what you are. So to think that you're fooling it in some way, shape, or form is, is ridiculous. What shifts and changes consciousness. Consciousness is so important. The universe can only know you and I as we are today. So she slams the door and she goes home and she says, I need help. And she watched her husband's life turn around. And she said, you know what? I'm ready to go to this church with you because he'd been going for a couple years. I'm ready to go. But she says, I'm going under one condition. He said, what's that? He said, I don't want to have to talk to anybody. I don't want anybody coming up to me and talking to me at that church. And I'm sitting in the back row. 
Who's sitting back there today? <laughs> oh, there you are. I know who you are. I'm sitting in the back row. So, and he, so he says, okay, cool. And he, you know, he said it was a very small group, and he called some of his friends, look, I'm bringing Arlene, but please, whatever you do, don't talk to her. <laughs> and he said to her, look, Arlene, you are so angry and miserable anyway, nobody's going to want to talk to you. <laughs> so she went. She went to church. And Arlene, you know, a lot of you know Arlene from Calgary. She probably heard the story if you've been to her, her center ever. She was one of the uh, ministers in, in Calgary for years, did an amazing job. Now she's in Fort Lauderdale. Decided to warm up, I guess. Who knows? Anyway, but she went, and she said all of a sudden she started to, to get it. She started to apply the ideas, and she knew that when she was around it, she said, what you focus on determines what you don't experience and what you don't see. And she said she noticed when she went to the church, the pain she was in, because she was in horrible pain, started to go away. It, 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 when she was in class, the pain disappeared. Because there's a power, there's a consciousness there. See, we nurture the consciousness. We come together in class. It can all be about ideas, and it can be about all the theory, and we can read the books, but it is the consciousness. And if the consciousness ain't there, it don't matter what you read, I'm telling you. Because that's what, that's what shifts and changes you. You know, around here, I, in my position, I've gotten clearer and clearer. It's taken me time because I, 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 I care for everyone deeply. But what I realize is that, that I have a responsibility to this community. I have a responsibility to the infinite to help shift consciousness. That's my first number one priority. And it makes it difficult because I can't be popular and do that at the same time. There are many, there are many decisions that I make here based on that very idea. My responsibility is the community and the consciousness. And you see it happen throughout the course of our humanity. People will get into a position and they'll decide this is my position and this is, I'm handling this and I got all control of it and this is my baby. And, and while it's great to take ownership of things, there has to be a flexibility to understand that that may not be in the, in the best interest of all concern. There are people that come into class. There are people that come into class and they act out their stuff and act out their stuff and act out their stuff and, I'll, and I will, I'll share with them and I'll share with them and I'll share with them and they keep acting out their stuff. And finally, enough's enough. And so that situation for me has been great learning because how do you do that? How do you manage someone that you sit and say, look, if you read this book, if you read this book and you apply these principles and you work with a practitioner, all these things will shift and change for you. And they look at you and say, no, 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 you don't know how miserable my life is. You don't know all the crappy stuff that's going on in my life and how miserable and how bad people have been to me. <clears throat> and while I have compassion for that, if I buy into that, I can't help you. And so at some point in time, see, I have found, Linda Watson said to me, you know why your church has grown so much? I, I spent a lot of time with Linda. She said, because you tell the truth. And I said, Linda, it's so hard for me. People think that I, I do these things arbitrarily. I watch people struggle. And sometimes it's almost like you want to give them the metaphysical slap across the face. They say, wake up. Stop ranting and raving and raging at me. I understand life's been hard, but those have been your gifts. And if you didn't have everything in, you, in your life that you needed to succeed and move through that, you wouldn't be here today. You walking through that door means you're ready. And sometimes people leave. But you have to tell the truth. And I said, Linda, I have learned, my journey has been that it be, it's too painful not to tell the truth. It's too painful in our lives when we lie to take care of another. It's, we're enabling. I can't do it anymore. I just won't. <clears throat> and I'll tell you, many times I have to go home and think about it. And then after it happens, it's, I bleed. I bleed with the person. But it's the truth from my perspective of what's going on and I can't buy into the story. I can listen to it, I can have compassion, I can have empathy, but it's not who you are. So it's seeking an outlet through us. 
So Arlene got into, involved with classes. <clears throat> I have taken Science of Mind 100 myself 13 times. 13 times. I'm still working on it. So if you think you've taken a Science of Mind class one time, and you're going to work this path, and you're going to work this the philosophy, yeah, you might get it all one time. I've, when I say I've taken it, I've taught it a number of times. I took it two or three times before I ever taught it. Arlene took it seven times. Seven times in Science of Mind 100. It took her five years. She said, when I got into class, my goal was to be able to hold an iron. Hold an iron, because I couldn't iron my children's clothes. And she said, in five years, I had gone through, I had allowed enough healing into my experience. I could pick up an iron. She said, I invited my entire class over for the graduation after the fifth year. And I said, I'm going to iron something in front of you. Because that's where she was in her life. She said that her and her husband got so involved with the, the philosophy and the teaching, they were at classes all the time. And so the kids were eating frozen TV dinners. And she had friends saying, boy, you're a lousy mom. And she thought about that because that was part of her teaching. And she said, you know, I'm learning so much. I'm growing so much in these classes. I'm getting so strong. I'm getting so healthy. And I'm going home and I'm sharing it with my kids. And so what if they're eating a frozen TV dinner? I'm sure they warmed it up. <clears throat> I, could, I should ask her sometime. But you know, we can be there every minute of every day with our children, spoon feeding them. Spoon feeding them and taking care of them, wrapping them in bubble wrap, punching a hole so they can still breathe and putting them in the closet. Or we can understand that they are the, uh, the infinite divine presence of the one as you and I are. And that we love them and provide for them and take care of them and hold them capable. See, I want people to hold me capable. I don't need people holding me up. When you come in here and you, you want to argue for the limitation, I, don't, I, I can't go there with you. It's not a popularity contest. Life is not a popularity contest. And when you get really clear about that, it gets a lot easier. Because you don't waste as much time trying to worry about what people are thinking of you. You have an opportunity to pour your energy into something that I think is more, far more interesting and more productive. So given a death sentence, she's now well into her 80s. And still doing her work. Still clicking along, doing her thing. But she said when she slammed that door and said no, that healing began for her. So what's going on in your life? Or what's going on in my life? See, part of it is to be willing to be an open and receptive to whatever is. And part of my declaration daily is that I am ready, willing, and, and, and available to whatever ideas are necessary for me to look at and examine in my own life, to pull it close, to own it, and observe it so that I may make new choices, so that I may move in the direction of what I feel I'm being called to. And I'm sure many of you have affirmations and things in your life that are similar to that. But it's working with this infinite intelligence. And once we, and how we activate this, see, I, was, I, I, I didn't complete that thought at the beginning, but how we activate this law is through our word. We speak our word. We speak it out loud. When we get together and we, we share this prayer, I don't plan my prayer when I get up here. I speak from what's alive, what I feel is guided. Sometimes someone will say something to me and that will inspire the prayer treatment. But I listen. You see, we're in a culture and we're in a society. In Obama's poem, she referred to that, Elizabeth Alexander, the busyness of life, the muchness of life is what Elizabeth, um, Linda Watson called it last week. But those of us that are, can be successful, and especially in this, on this path, it's not about adding more activity. It's not about creating more noise. 
As it says in the Old Testament, be still and know that you are God. Be still and know that you are God. When we're still, we can listen. We can hear. The guidance is always, the guidance is always in, informing us. And as we put down the chatter, we put down the busyness of our minds, the worry, the concern. Worry is simply debt, pay, is debt paid on, on a, it's interest paid on debt not yet owed. Most of the things, wonderful quote, I don't know who it was, might have been Myra Breckenridge, said most of the things that I've spent my life worrying about never came to be. I think that's true for many of us. So how do, we, how do we condition ourselves? How do we train ourselves to move out of that? And the infinite can only express through us. It needs that outlet. And so as we become clearer, as we become more available to that, life changes, it shifts, the, the quality of our, our consciousness. Pick somebody, you know what? It's, it's a simple thing. Pick somebody in, in, that you admire. Who do you admire in your life? Who's a hero to you? I mean, you'll never be Tiger Woods. I mean, I think Tiger Woods is amazing. Love to play golf like Tiger Woods, but that's probably never going to happen. I got a couple of practitioners working on it for me, but probably it's never going to happen. <laughs> but pick somebody. I mean, I, I think that I, I don't think that we would have. They, they always say don't talk about politics from the platform, but I, I just I admire the, the 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 presence and the consciousness of Barack Obama in such an amazing way, and I don't think we would be witnessing what's happening had not the things that had gone on prior to this unfolded. I don't think you could have Barack Obama without having George W. Bush. The, the pendulum swings. And as you look at our journey as a culture and as a community, and, and Canada is so connected to, and Canadians so connected to, uh, to North Americans, to the United States. I mean, we're all North Americans. And we're all brothers and sisters beyond borders. You know, as Obama said, we need to start having conversations with people we've never talked to. You know, how about going over to Iraq and talking to some people and really saying, what do you guys need? How can we help? You know, because might, might, you know, might is right is an, is an idea that's been around forever. But it's given birth to this new consciousness. Three million people showed up for the inauguration. And, and there's, a, there's a, a momentum and an optimism. See, the, 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 the big part of this is, is just simply the fear. There's so much fear in the culture. The economic markets, you know, they've gone sideways. People have lost money. People have lost investments. You know, that's not real wealth. It's, it's how we measure. But if you're in the consciousness, if you've demonstrated something, a level of, if, if you have demonstrated a level of prosperity in your life, you are the consciousness that can, rede can redemonstrate that and more. Those, those are just cycles. The tide has gone out for many. Tide's coming back in. Do you have clothing? Do you have a warm place to sleep? Are you eating well? I mean, that's truly, at the end of the day, if we got rid of money, how would we measure this? It's important to keep that in mind because this hysteria that's going on around it. But Obama stepped up says, we got work to do. And you know what I know about the human condition? You know what I know about people? We are our best when things are worst. We are our best. We stand up. We do what we got to do. That's just who we are as people. That is, as he said, it's to, it's, it, the time has come to, to enable that enduring spirit. The time has come to enable that enduring spirit. That spirit that lives within each and every one of us. We didn't just come here to sit on the sidelines and watch it go on. If you don't identify your gifts and share those gifts to the best of your ability with as much generosity and courage and, and celebration and enthusiasm as you possibly can, then we have lost. We've all lost. We've all lost. You know, we're going through this. I just to tell you something locally. 
I have got up here every week. This is my last week to pitch this intentional giving program. And we had a goal in mind <clears throat> to reach. And I had board members say to me, oh boy, it could be a tough year. This isn't going to be a tough year, man. What are you talking about? Stop that. <laughs> it's going to be a fantastic year. So I've stood here and I've asked, you know, and I've said, if you can get into our intentional giving program and support us, it, it, it's huge. We're, we're setting our budget within the next couple of months. We're going to have a couple of weeks. We're going to have our budget identified, and we wanted to really uh, invite people to participate in this. And we've reached, we've reached our goal. And I know that we'll have a, a, an amazingly solid and wonderful year because we stand on this consciousness. And I know that my job, my job is one of my main jobs here is I create the demand and I supply it. See, in my life, I create the demand and I supply it. And we have programs, we have, we have different things that we're looking to doing that are exciting, that we want to share this message. The world needs this, this teaching. And I think that it is our opportunity not only to live the best life we can, but to help support others in doing that. It keeps us all connected. It keeps us all lifted up. It keeps us all... There's so much work to do. It's never over. But to, to celebrate each day and say, hey, look at this. I remember when I got here. I remember when I couldn't iron my children's clothing. I remember when the idea of sharing anything anywhere, this is in my own life, giving money to a church, to a community. Oh my God, I barely have enough gas to get through the week. I'm looking for another job. Whatever it was, whatever the story was, and it's, it's gradual, it's sequential, but it's inevitable. And so I've asked you, I've said, please consider being in, this, in our intentional giving program and continue. And you know, you, you, there's no minimum amount, but we can budget from that. We can calculate fairly accurately what we're going to do for the year, and then we know what programs we can do. This stage up here, now this comes out of some money that we raised, and it's designated funds. You know, someone came up to us, what are these screens? Are they staying forever? We've got new carpet. We're finally going to put the carpet in. We're finally going to light these screens. We're going to have a different color every week. This is part of the method of, you know, this has been a dream of mine since I got here. But we do it when, when the money shows up and we can do it. It's reasonable and prudent and it's within the budget to do that because what we do on Sundays is a celebration of life. So I didn't just hang curtains up there because I wanted to hang white curtains up there. I didn't just paint that back wall kind of an off-white because, you know, one day it just came to me while I was in my office. But we're gonna, we met with the lighting guy, and I've got carpet picked out, and you're going to love it. Everybody always loves the stuff I pick out. <laughs> but I'm just telling you that you know, what we do is we communicate an idea. This is our spiritual home. We bought these chairs. If you weren't here when we bought these chairs, we had, there are people that sit here that would come in and buy a chair a week, $70 for each chair. And we raised enough money here to buy these chairs, 350 chairs. We took out the pews. We took out the blood red carpet that ran down the middle. We took out the pews with the, cru uh, the crucifixes on the sides, the crosses. I see, you know, this isn't who we are. It's, we're this and more. I mean, if you remember back that far, it was green linoleum underneath the pews. And so now we move the chairs. We walk the labyrinth. We light this up. We have amazing musicians. We have some of the best music in the world here every Sunday. So, I think, it's important. I think it's important for all of us to remember. It's not the flag that's moving. It's not the wind that's moving the flag. It's our minds that are moving. And the time has come to put aside childish things. The time has come to empower our enduring spirit. Blessings. Thank you.